0: Welcome to a very special edition of Starkey Soundbites. I'm your host, Dave Fabry, Starkey's Chief Innovation Officer. In celebration of World Hearing Day, I wanted to bring you a conversation that I had with Dr. Sarah Burdak, Starkey's Chief Audiology Officer, and Michael Scholl, our Chief Compliance Officer. The interview was recorded in our studio and first streamed online with the goal of highlighting the importance of bringing ear and hearing care into primary care. We covered a lot of ground and we had a lot of fun, and I hope you'll enjoy it because we wanted to bring it to you, our loyal podcast listeners. I hope you enjoy. Hello everybody. Today is the day we've all been waiting for world hearing day. I'm Dave Fabry, Starkey's Chief Innovation Officer, and I'm here with two special guests for a discussion on the theme of the day. Dr. Sarah Burdak is Starkey's Chief Audiology Officer, and Michael Scholl is the Executive Vice President of Corporate Relations. Welcome to both of you.
1: Thanks so much for having us here. I'm really excited about this topic.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, the, the issue, and I know I'm preaching to the choir for many of you who are listening today. but. Hearing is a a sense that is often underappreciated until it's lost. And in many cases, people don't fully understand how important it is that hearing connects us to other individuals. The theme this year for the World Hearing Day is uh, ear and hearing care for all, let's make it a reality. And I think that raising awareness and then the accessibility, access, and things that we'll talk about in the next 45 minutes or so, are all related to really raising awareness for the importance of healthy hearing. So, uh, you know, the statistics that the World Health Organization provides us with suggests that today there's about 466 million people worldwide with what they consider to be a disabling degree of hearing loss. And that number is projected to go up substantially in the coming years. They estimate that upwards of 700 million people by 2050 will have a disabling degree of hearing loss, And over a billion people will have some measure of hearing loss. I think this year's theme is so important first for you and your team, Sarah, because as our chief audiology officer, you and your team are focused on uh, providing global hearing healthcare. And do you want to talk a little bit about your role and how it is that your team is working so hard to bring better hearing around the world?
1: Yeah, I'd love to because it's something I'm certainly passionate about, Mm -hmm. as you know, and I've been in this profession for many, many years. And as our global audiology strategy continues to evolve, specifically, we look at what we're doing from the global education and training space, Mm -hmm. how we're completing that circle with our clinical team, because we need to make sure that we're always delivering the best products, the best services. Um, But importantly, the work that the team does is with the Department of Veterans Affairs. And the reason that that's also so impactful is because when you look at the veterans today, the number one and two top service-related injuries are tinnitus Mm -hmm. and hearing loss. Mm -hmm. And when we look at that scale of veterans being Fit, there's 3.6 million that are wearing hearing technology. And one of the great privileges that I think in working with the VA is that we're able to then collaborate with their audiologists and make sure veterans always get our top technology. And in my roles too, you know, I'm passionate about students. Mm-hmm. In audiology, making sure that again, they're equipped with all of the tools, everything that they need to be prepared to step out from the crowd, to help educate Mm -hmm. on this very, very important topic. And that leads into what we do in our product development. Um, we have the luxury you and I both of continuing to work with patients regularly, work with hearing healthcare professionals regularly, So that helps us always be connected to what we want to be doing in the future as well Mm -hmm. so that we can continue to pave the way for groundbreaking technology because we do absolutely know hearing is essential. And everybody here at Starkey fully believes that to hear better means you're living a better and more meaningful life.
0: Indeed. And I I think, you know, it, it... it goes without saying that while we're a U.S.-based company, we do business in over 100 countries around the world on six continents. I think, to my knowledge, we don't have any representation in Antarctica yet. But uh, <laughs> that global focus really requires a global team, and, and you and your team, as you as you allude, um, have trainers and, and representatives, audiologists who are providing that training initiative around the world. And that effort I think can't simply be a US company then distributing to the world, but rather with the focus in each of those areas, because hearing loss around the world has different uh, uh, initiatives in different parts of the, of the world where there are uh, uh, healthcare contracts that provide hearing aids uh, in their healthcare system. And then is in other markets, and we'll get to this a little bit with you, Michael, um, with uh, some of the changes that we've seen in US yeah. policy for the creation of over-the-counter sure. and, uh, 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 care. I mean, it really is a global effort and one yes. that, that can't be uh, underestimated in terms of the enormity of the responsibility to deliver outstanding outcomes around the world.
1: Yeah, I agree. We train thousands of hearing healthcare professionals on an annual basis so that they can go out and do their job effectively And one of those is again, to make sure that they're reaching out in the communities that they serve, because education is a massive piece of what it is that we're trying to do.
0: Mm -hmm. Indeed. Well, I think, Michael, let's uh, bring you into the conversation here. Uh, This year's theme for World Hearing Day holds a special place in your heart, I know, um, as uh, working with Special Olympics, Uh, Talk a little bit about uh, some of the exciting things that have happened in the past year and some of the goals moving forward for uh,
2: this partnership that Starkey has with uh, Special Olympics International. Yes, thank you, Dave. That's that's a great question. When we think about, you know, who Starkey is, who we are at the core, Mm -hmm. it's about giving back. And this year's theme for World Hearing Day, ear and hearing care for all, let's make it a reality. Um, Our partnership with Special Olympics International is a perfect example Mm -hmm. of what, uh, you know, what that means to us at Stark. And Dave and Sarah, as you both know, you know, the partnership that we've entered into with Special Olympics over the last 12 months has allowed us to travel to their games in the United States. We're going to Berlin for the International, the, the World Games later this year. And at these games, we have an opportunity to help those individuals, those Special Olympians with intellectual disabilities. We have the opportunity to bring hearing health, to bring our technology to them. And you know, Dave, you know, as as we've talked about, right? There are tens of thousands of Olympians across the globe. Eighty-eight percent of those Olympians have never had a hearing test. That statistic is just
0: staggering to me. I think the number is thirty thousand. Right. Special Olympians say that they have some difficulty with hearing. And when we talk about for all raising awareness for the importance of getting those individuals who who have hearing loss, regardless of where they live in the
2: world, um, it's important. And and that's what's so great about our partnership with Special Olympics, right? Um, As part of our Starkey Cares program, which is our corporate social responsibility program, right? One of those initiatives is to support what we call our neighbors in need. Mm -hmm. Whether those people are here in, Minnesota, Mm -hmm. whether they're somewhere else across the U.S. or whether they're in another country across the globe. um, If you're somebody who needs the help, our Starkey Cares program is there to support you. And one of those partnerships is with Special Olympians. Mm -hmm. And Dave, not only are we helping Special Olympians at their events, right, Mm -hmm. at their games, but the great thing about this partnership, if there is a Special Olympian anywhere in the world, Special Olympics identifies that they might have a hearing loss, they let us know and then we find our partners globally to support that athlete so when, when special olympics talks about an inclusion revolution yeah. when world hearing day is about you know ear and you know care for all we are making that a reality as part of our partnership with special olympics and as part of who we are with our starkey cares program
0: yeah i think the issue that you raise and, and i can i can't say how much i have gotten back Uh, from the partnership. I mean, you put in effort to go and participate in Orlando or Michigan as we've done, and I'm really excited about Berlin. But what I've gotten back from the experience has far uh, exceeded what I've put in uh, for me personally. And and as an audiologist, it's something that's still uh, really makes me smile when I think about some of the memories we created. Well,
2: in and, and the stories that you see from these games, right? I mean, we help them maybe on the first day of the games, and then they're at, their event is on day four, and, you know, they're catching a touchdown pass. And for the first time, they're hearing the congratulatory remarks from the coach or the, you know, the applause from the crowd. I mean, that, that makes a mark on all of us, right? And, and that's truly why we're here, to help people hear better and live better.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I want to park this for a minute, because now I want to go back to Sarah with a, with a question. But the, the point you raise is so important is that when we go to the Special Olympics events, it's not just the distribution of the product, yeah. but that connection with the community uh, a worker who lives near their home, regardless of where they are in, in the world, because it is that combination of the technology, and the professional who's going to ensure optimal outcomes occur. And we'll come back to that because I think it has an impact on over-the-counter hearing aids as well. Sure. And we'll come back to that in a minute. Um, Sarah, uh, as you mentioned, this, uh, the World Hearing Day theme this year highlights the importance of integrating hearing care into overall healthcare, and specifically within primary care, as we know it in, in the US, um, as an essential component, as you mentioned, of healthcare coverage in general. What can hearing care providers do to educate their local primary care physicians and nurse practitioners who are seeing individuals, aging individuals, as they begin to uh, experience some hearing loss? What can, what can uh, the professionals listening to this session do to interface with those uh, primary care physicians?
1: Yeah, thank you. I think that's another great question. And also is community-based. sure because I think it's broader than even the local healthcare community. But I strongly feel hearing healthcare professionals need to be a part of that medical profile. For sure. And sometimes that means they have to work their way into it. And one of the things that I look at from raising awareness is what are the community events in your area? And it starts at the professional level, but it also starts at the patient and family level. So there are things even from doing lunch and learn events. And that's something that Starkey has a starter kit for, to do lunch and learns, to, again, educate on the impact of untreated hearing loss, which can be significant, what you can do about it. A lot of times we're in situations when we're out and about and people ask me, I wouldn't even know where to go for that service. Or... Go to Google. Google. Google it. it. Google. Yeah. How many times though then are you talking about hearing technology and people have an old stigma yeah. and they're apprehensive to take action? So all of that education, whether you're going to a community center, I strongly encourage professionals to be at health fairs, at senior centers, and really work their way into that primary healthcare community. Mm-hmm. So that again, they're raising awareness of what the impacts of untreated hearing loss are, what somebody can do about it and where to go to take action. People are waiting far too long to do that. And there's no reason that we continue to have this dated perception or stigma of hearing technology. It doesn't exist today.
2: And, and if I might, you know, Sarah, you're exactly right. Kind of from the, from the ground up in the community and having those conversations. The other thing that we are actually doing kind of from the top down, and Dave, you've, you've participated in some of these conversations, but uh, within, within uh, you know, government and HHS, there's the U.S. Preventative Services Task Force, right? So this is an organization that um, they encourage physicians to talk about certain things with their patients, right? And we're having conversations that, these primary care physicians should be talking about hearing loss and hearing health more than they're currently doing. Right. And if we get, if we get some of these government agencies continue to educate them and encourage primary care physicians to talk about this, right? Not only do you get it at the community level, but you know, the, the physicians are better educated and better trained to deal with individuals who might have a hearing loss.
0: That, that's such a great point, And I want to dive a little deeper with both of you into that. I mean, first of all, According to the World Health Organization, uh, ear and hearing problems are among the most common ones inc- encountered in the community by people of all ages and certainly with that aging population. Over 60% of these can be identified and addressed at the primary care level. The primary care physician still serves as that gatekeeper, that trusted provider for many people as they're going through these gates. And despite the fact that we've seen stigma Go away in the emerging generation of boomers, it's still somewhat there. And in many cases, their query to the primary care physician is met with a response that is my least favorite one in healthcare, and that is your hearing is normal for your age. And Michael, you raised the, the issue of the US Preventative Health, or Preventative Service Task Force. Um, you know, they updated their guidelines for screening for hearing in 2021. The last time they had addressed this was in 2012. And disappointingly for those of us in this space, they didn't recommend that individuals age 50 and above um, have hearing screening. Mm -hmm. And and of course, like I said, that was a disappointment to those of us um, who want to see raised awareness, getting that baseline screening. I think the difference from 10 years ago was they did acknowledge the impact of untreated hearing loss on social isolation, depression, possibly even cognitive decline. But, you know, we need to get in those discussions because the primary care physicians do listen to what
2: that preventative test. And, and as, as both of you know, right, the research continues to evolve, right? We get it studies does. daily that show the importance of getting the, the screening at an earlier age. So, you know, even though they did update it, they may not have updated it to where we wanted them mm-hmm. to go, we are making progress. We are having conversations, and we will get to a point where, Screening will be a routine part of of that exam at 50, 55, 60 at those those ages.
1: Well, and if you look at that expectation, and the more we can talk about this and have these Mm -hmm. discussions, we want even at the the level of the patient for them to be asking for these screenings, because it should become standard protocol, similar to vision similar to what we're doing from a dental plan, sure. where this becomes an annual part of health care.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, that that issue is, I think, magnified by also uh, more reports coming out of the World Health Organization with um, the National Institutes of Health and WHO have, have reported that uh, nearly 80% of people with insufficient or poor hearing experience at least one additional chronic health condition. So. Hearing is not an isolated condition that people simply have a little bit of hearing loss and isn't connected into their overall health. That statistic alone is staggering. And I think the comorbidity piece, uh, certainly one we've heard about a lot, is cognition. But there are also many other health conditions that have comorbidity with hearing loss. And Sarah, maybe you'd talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I think from many years ago, this was all speculation, Mm -hmm. and now we're seeing annually more and more studies coming out confirming Mm -hmm. the comorbidities that occur with untreated hearing loss. One of those that I think people tend to really gravitate towards, though, as you mentioned, is the impact of cognitive decline. I think this is really an area that sort of then creates this snowball effect of use it or lose it. And with cognitive decline, with dementia um, associations with hearing loss, there are because of your vascular changes with hearing, there can also be cardiovascular concerns, diabetes. Um, One of the things that we're focusing on as well as certainly Fall detection and prevention. Mm-hmm. So there are a number of things there, but I I sometimes think we don't want to be all the doom and gloom right. because the best message is the studies also show, and with the Lat Commission, um, and they've been updating mm-hmm. um, the studies even in 2020. We're saying that hearing loss is really the single most modifiable trait that will help prevent dementia. That's significant because if you can get treated for hearing loss with hearing aids, we are showing that anybody who has a hearing loss that is treated effectively within three years time of that loss, performs at normal levels. And I think that's pretty incredible. So we can say that, yes, untreated hearing loss is associated with a 50% mm-hmm. increase in dementia. We know that mild um, cases are you know, about double. Um, moderate cases are triple. But if you have a severe hearing loss, it's up to five times. Mm-hmm. Um, you're up to five times more likely to have an impact um, with dementia. So I can't stress enough. We hear too often people are waiting, you know, seven to 10 years to do something about it. I have people in my own life Mm -hmm. who have waited that amount of time. (laughs) We have to take action. We have to get people to get the hearing help they need as quickly as they possibly can. Michael.
2: and, And I, I, you know, I'm, Fortunate enough to serve on the board of directors for the Alzheimer's Association, yeah. right? And again, you know, Starkey taking a leadership role, you know, the caregiver is so important, right? So how do we, how do we educate the caregiver um, that that this is there is this important connection, this comorbidity with hearing loss, right? We're having conversations on how do we educate our hearing professionals across the country so they know what to look for mm-hmm. when they're seeing patients in their clinic. So Uh, The Alzheimer's Association, they certainly understand and, you know, and and see the connection between hearing loss, dementia, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's. So, you know, Starkey, we're trying to partner with them so we can better educate the whole, you know, ecosystem of folks, caregivers, individuals, et cetera. So um, this is certainly another topic that's near and dear to my Mm -hmm. heart. And I think there's a lot of opportunity over the next couple of years with the studies that come out for us to make, you know, tremendous inroads into that population.
1: Well, it's a medical condition. And I think so often people think, oh, I'll just turn up the volume Mm -hmm. or everyone else is mumbling. I love that you brought up the caregiver because you see that oftentimes they're the ones who are the most significantly impacted by someone's hearing loss in their life. And with them understanding all of these comorbidities as well, they're likely to help get somebody to take action
2: too. And, and the two of you know better than, than, than I do, but that the, our technology, right? When we think about overall health and wellness, you know, we have the best technology to deal with, you know, some of those comorbidities. So we're in an exciting, I think we're in a, you know, a fabulous spot, you know, to help folks with our technology. Well, yeah, and I
0: think, yeah. Sarah, you raised the important point. We've used the stick for many years at, at, at highlighting the threat of untreated hearing loss. The carrot. You know, we've been on a five-year journey now to try to change attitudes about hearing aids uh, as a single-purpose device. Importantly, to provide better hearing, but also to enable that uh, tracking of health and wellness and connection uh, to other features that make it a cool factor. And and we've seen that impact in the market. And and Michael, you're right. I mean, um, cardiologists will often say that hearing is the best indication of overall cardiovascular health in the aging population because up to 80% of people with cardiovascular disease have hearing loss. There's a really high comorbidity there. And, and my parents were you know, concerned about cardiovascular disease and cancer. Boomers are concerned about cognitive decline. Uh, and one of the issues is we, we the timing of this year's World Hearing Day theme, I think, is so important because we expect to see the early results from the ACHIEVE study, the Aging and Cognitive Health Evaluation in Elders study, multinational longitudinal study of over 1,000 people studied over five years of time, to see uh, in 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 a randomized population, people that were treated with amplification and hearing solutions versus those who were merely Uh, educated, not merely, but those who were provided uh, with other materials to age in place, but without the benefit of amplification, we expect to see those results this year. And we may see moving from correlation to causation. No one knows yet what the results are going to show. Um, We've certainly uh, seen inklings of that in studies that have been coming out. But I think this comorbidity piece and relating that to primary care physicians is such an important one consistent with the overall theme of World Hearing Day for this year. So um, let's go to Michael, um, back to you on this. And I appreciate both of you discussing. And Sarah, jump in on this one because I know you have opinions on this. In 2022, the FDA released its final regulations regarding OTC hearing aids. And one of the goals with OTC in this new category was to create greater accessibility and affordability to hearing healthcare. Share with some of the behind the scenes, share some of that behind the scenes work that you've been doing for five, six years uh, on this topic as we've seen this go from the National Academies yeah. of Medicine and ECAS committee, the President's Council on Science and Technology, into reality. And, um, and
2: Dave, we have how much time? Do we have hours. hours? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've talked a lot, you know, kind of up through 2022 when the rule became final. But you know, it started back with the Cast report, you know, a decade or so ago. Um, and then obviously in 2017, there was OTC legislation that moved through uh, both the, the House and the Senate, the president signed it into law. Uh, and then in uh, 2022, three administrations, yeah, yeah. Yeah, in November of 2022, the, the, the OTC regulation finally went into effect. Um, I'm not going to go through every, you know, step along the line, but... What we did, right? We took the lead as a manufacturer since yes. you know 2015, 2016, 2017, and really what we were focused on was educating lawmakers, educating policymakers in Washington about our industry. Because quite frankly, prior to that, there hadn't been a lot of that going on. Right. And we've had you know hundreds of meetings with you know members, their staff, folks in different agencies. Just to educate them about what our industry does, what our professionals do, what is hearing healthcare, what does our technology do, and um, we made we made a lot of, of of you know great impactful progress during those years. And the OTC regulation, you know, obviously it was finalized. It went into effect of in November of last year. And look, we said all along from the from the very first conversation that I had with a member of Congress mm-hmm. on this we're not opposed to greater access. We're not opposed to greater affordability. We want to ensure that the individual, that the individual with hearing loss is protected, right? And that hearing professionals can still continue to help these people, right? Because we believe hearing healthcare is best served, you know, through the hearing professional. So that was our focus. Um, and, And I think we really did instruct the FDA and help the FDA discern um, you know, uh, a policy that, that, you know, we're all following now. Um, yes, we've got a few months, you know, OTC hearing aids have been on the market for a few months. Um, you know, I, I don't know that there's this tremendous, um, you know, uplift in, in uh, you know, sales of OTC hearing aids. But what I think is important, whenever you have the president of the United States, he did this on Tuesday, President Biden stood up before the joint chamber, right? He's talking about hearing health. He's talking about hearing aids, right? Whenever we can talk about hearing health and hearing aids and our technology and how we can help people, that's a step in the right direction. So what we've tried to do is we've tried to really focus our our, our conversation with elected officials on here's the best way. We still believe it's through the hearing professional, but if we're going to have OTC hearing aids, let's make sure the patient is protected. And, you know, we're seeing a handful of OTC hearing aids on the market. Um, There are a couple of bad actors who are maybe, you know, making some products available. They should not. We've seen some state attorneys general crack down on them. Uh, But at the end of the day, more access, better affordability, I think it's what we all stand for. And if, if an OTC hearing aid gets an individual into a product that, you know, they start to see, you know, a difference and it starts to make a difference for them. And then that gets them into, you know, seeing a professional and maybe into, you know, a different technology or as they continue to age, you know, the more we can help people, the better. So I'm proud of the work that we've done. I know there was this idea that OTC is going to hit the market and it's just going to turn the industry upside down. Right. Well, we're three, four months into it, and that clearly isn't the case. Um, and I think that's because of a lot of the great work that you and Sarah and all of us um, at Starkey have done.
0: Well, I think you, you raise such an important point and consistent with World Hearing Day's theme today is ear and hearing care for all. Absolutely. Anything that closes that gap it, you know, in the U.S., only about... 37 to right. 40% of people with hearing loss do something about it. If we can see that lift sure. because of this new category, then great. Mm-hmm. But with the hearing care, I think we have to, we have seen a lot of continued attention last month with the president's State of the Union address, uh, uh, talking still about uh, uh, the, 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 the technology and lowering the cost to improve accessibility yep. and affordability, but that shouldn't come at the price of accessibility to a professional if they need it, and also to ensure that the best outcomes, which as you say, we have seen year over year are with our technology in the professional's hands to deliver patient delight. And Sarah, I know uh, you Well, got... that's
1: what I hear so often, Dave, is I'm out in the community a lot and my friends and people that I'm surrounded by know what I do for a living. Mm-hmm. And so often they will say, gosh, how is that going because it seems like something that would be really hard to do over the counter and i think that the general public even realizes that so they feel they would need the support of a professional or they would want to have that option as both of you said and the individuals who we've worked with and fit with technology they going through that experience who they've already worn hearing aids or been wearing hearing aids for many years. Generally, they have said, I don't know how I would have gotten to this level of hearing how I do without the support of a professional to do it. And so I'm still having a lot of those conversations. So it's been interesting. So while I agree, all of this helped raise awareness, right? I generally think people still think hearing is healthcare and a a medical um, concern, and they're interested in in getting a professional recommendation.
0: Indeed, and this new category creates more competition and that is good. Uh, And uh, uh, that what was the word that uh, President Biden used uh, last month? Exploitation. And I think that was the thing that managed to unite professionals and those working in industry, because I don't feel like we're exploiting anybody. We're out there trying to do best for the patient, best for the end user, and seeing the best outcomes is technology, plus a professional's understanding Mm -hmm. of the unique aspect that people bring with any degree of hearing loss. It's not limited
2: by a mild to moderate degree of hearing loss, in my opinion. Yeah, that's exactly right. And look, as, as Sarah said, as you said, The fact that people are talking about this when I talk to, uh, you know, hearing care professionals across the country and I ask them, are people coming in and asking for OTC hearing aids? People are coming in. Mm -hmm. Generally they've heard of them or they know of them, but it's a Mm -hmm. conversation starter, right? And it allows the professional to have the conversation to determine what is the best solution for you and your lifestyle. So, um, I I think that's a positive for all of us.
0: Totally agree. And you know, let's, Let's segue into the next question, and that is really related to uh, something that you and Starkey's president and CEO Brandon Swalich, uh developed in during the OTC uh, discussions of listen carefully. Huh. but now talk a little yeah. bit about now, okay we we're through that, but does that mean listen carefully?
2: more: no. Well? no, no that's that's a great. I'm glad you bring bring that up. you know so listen carefully, we created over the last year, uh, as really a a one stop shop for individuals with hearing loss for hearing professionals Mm -hmm. to learn about what's happening um, across the country that might be impacting our industry, right, that might be impacting their profession. And, and, uh, you know, some of you may recall that, uh, you know, Medicare, there was a lot of discussion about Medicare, there's a lot of discussion about hearing protection, obviously, OTC and, and insurance coverage, etc. So we created a repository. Of, of anything dealing with, with that. And um, it's still up and running. And, and Dave, I might say it's, it, it's as important now. I think so too. As, yeah. we've, as we've turned the calendar and we're looking at 2023, um, the, the, the amount of legislation that's happening at the state level that impacts our industry is staggering. Yeah. I have seen in 10 or 11 states, Minnesota just uh, in, in the last few weeks, where legislation has been introduced requiring, um, you know, the private insurance to cover hearing aid. Right. And there's some licensing legislation that's happening across the country with the OTC regulation. Um, as many of our, our, our listeners may know, right? The definition of prescription hearing aid versus a non-prescription hearing aid, right? Some states are dealing with that. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a, we had a, a perfect example in Ohio, um, one of our, uh, one of the hearing professionals that we work with reached out and said, Starkey, uh, we're seeing legislation that's going to no longer allow, uh, hearing dispensers to fit prescription hearing aids. Mm-hmm. What did we do? Well, within 48 hours, we were on the phone. We were talking to the authors of the bill. We got it changed. That's exactly how listen carefully is supposed to work, right? right? We can't be everywhere all the time. We can't monitor what's happening but with a super local issue like that, right? When our hearing professional found out about it, they reached out, we went to work. And, you know, we've got folks on the ground who are keeping their ear to the ground, trying to identify things that might impact our industry. And then we're doing it at, you know, we're doing the same thing, trying to communicate with them about what's happening. So. Uh, At the end of the day, I think we all know with OTC and other regulations, regulators, elected officials, they impact the work that we do, right? They impact our industry. So again, this trajectory that we've built over the last seven years of trying to work with folks at the federal level, at the state level to educate them, you know, it's only that much more powerful when hearing professionals and patients Mm -hmm. in their local communities are listening and we work together to to really make sure that we're educating and we're directing this legislation so it's best for that the person with hearing loss so it's best for the hearing professional Uh, and then at the end of the day you know that's what matters most
0: now today's world hearing day yes
2: um this is
0: a u.s initiative uh only at the the moment do are there any plans in the future to consider going global with
2: yeah you know not not really right we've really been focused on on this as a u.s initiative Mm -hmm. um when you start thinking about individual countries individual municipalities it starts to become you know what we have done and i'm again proud of the work that we've done is we have a network right globally Mm -hmm. of contacts and individuals that we work with as things do come up right? right There's changes, as both of you know, to the regulatory framework quite frequently Mm -hmm. in some of these countries, in some of these areas. So we have individuals, we have folks that we work with on the ground, but not to the same specificity as we do with Listen Carefully. Perfect. So so those
0: in the U.S. listening to this who want to go to the Listen Carefully website, that's listencarefully.com. Yep. And then what about, how does someone who's a professional who's listening to this become an ambassador?
2: Yeah, so our Listen Carefully Ambassador program, um, you know, Blaze Delfino, who all all of us work with, um, you know, he's kind of leading that program and we're trying to identify a handful of ambassadors in all 50 states. Those are our go-to people, right? Something happens, you know, we kind of go to you to kind of lead the charge of what's ever happening in your state. And I think we're through uh, maybe about, 25 states of identifying those ambassadors. But if you're listening and if you're interested, um, you can go to listencarefully.com and you can sign up to be a Listen Carefully ambassador. Because again, I can't stress how important it is. Number one, policymakers impact what we do. We are the manufacturer, right? We work across the country. But those of you who live in the state, live in your district, you, you, you represent your community. And at the end of the day, that's who elected officials and policymakers want to hear from, right? They want to hear from their constituents. They want to hear from small business owners and patients in their community. So we need ambassadors and from all 50 states uh, to achieve the success that we can with Listen Carefully.
1: Well, and I think you've done a remarkable job, and that's something that people are recognizing Starkey for as being a great partner, mm-hmm. but providing the tools that they need to be those ambassadors in advocacy, because not everybody knows how to do sure. that or where to go. Sure. And we're becoming that organization where people do feel like they've, they have um, someone that they can reach out to for help.
2: And I've been to the Hill with both of you and you both of you are very strong uh, ambassadors, maybe lobbyists on behalf <laughs> of the industry. <laughs> Thanks. Um, uh, We do what we can. So we've we've
0: talked about how individuals can be involved with listening carefully as an ambassador. Um, I want to go back to primary care physicians and hearing care providers. How should uh, uh, audiologists and hearing instrument specialists uh, engage with primary care physicians in the care and treatment of their patients? And do you think that's a worthwhile endeavor? And if so, how should they go about doing that?
1: It's absolutely worthwhile, and I think, again, back to getting out in the community, but also being part of the overall healthcare system and being viewed as a critical component to that. So my recommendation is to always make sure that you're providing a primary care provider with information of the treatment plan you've provided, how it's going, what the status is, um, because that's their patient as well.
0: In fact, in many cases, the primary care physician considers this their patient that is on loan Absolutely. to the hearing care provider because yeah. they're taking care of the entire ecosystem sure. that is the patient so, and getting that feedback.
1: So yeah, critical. we shouldn't just leave it there. Right. And then what I always think is anytime you have that capability, it keeps that front and center mm-hmm. from an overall hearing health care, from the technology, It gives you again the foot in the door, it allows you to ask if you can do a lunch and learn. Physicians need to be as impressed with the new technology uh, because it's pretty incredible what we're able to do today. So I think sometimes it's really the basics of writing your reports, staying there, staying connected, as well as continuing to increase your referral base because that gets to When patients are saying, I don't know what to do or where to go, Mm -hmm. the primary care physicians in their area should know they need to go to you. Go to this hearing center and you'll get the care that you need. And the other piece that I'm a huge advocate for, as you know, Dave, is this education, even at the level of ear, nose and throat physicians, about the importance of two hearing aids, about getting fit, Quickly about you already mentioned that, oh, you've got normal hearing for your age. Mm-hmm. Those are all things that we have to get around that bias as well. Yeah. And make sure at the ground level they're getting the right recommendations yeah. to seek treatment.
0: Yeah. And there and there's no better way for a primary care physician to become aware of the improved technology and services that can be available to their patients than to see the results in a use case Mm -hmm. that is their patient and to see the impact on their life. So that's an important feedback loop, as you say, in addition to being an access point to maybe lunch and learns or conversations about what um, uh, hearing and balance treatment can look like uh, and the referral to a, a hearing care professional, but that feedback loop to yeah, say, look how well proof. they're yeah, doing. It's real proof. Um real is, is the best way, I think, to make an impact and to build those relationships and to focus on hearing as an essential component of overall healthcare. Now, I want to, uh, uh, our time is nearly up here, and we just launched uh, a new product, Genesis AI. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about, Michael raised earlier, um, for five years we've been on this journey to use embedded sensors so that we can monitor physical activity, social engagement, fall detection which you talked about Sarah. How can number 1 um hearing care providers maybe share some of those data with primary care physicians? And then what does Genesis AI do to better involve healthcare providers outside of our little discipline to be aware of what sorts of things that um, simply wearing devices can do to benefit overall uh, overall health?
1: So you can see I can hardly keep it yeah. contained. <laughs> now we have to go back to it again,
2: Dave. What are, what, yeah.
1: it's, it's hard to prioritize yeah. all of that. We do, again, have a lot of the information on comorbidities, Mm -hmm. relations to untreated hearing loss. So certainly anybody can visit turkey.com and get a lot of that information and brochures and information that can go back out again into the community. But one of the things that I'm really excited about, there's many in Genesis AI, is that we have really built this technology from the ground up. It is all new, everything. And when people come in for better hearing, that really is what they want. Mm -hmm. So when I think about how we're pushing the boundaries and what we're doing with our neural processing, Mm -hmm. which is really the industry's best technology, we are able to automate our systems using AI, the most advanced DNN, which is deep neural network to have processing that really mimics that of the human brain and yeah yeah, if you think about the holy grail as I'll say Mm -hmm. is always how do we mimic processing as if you had normal hearing so we're as close to that and industry leading um, and setting the standard there and the other piece that I tend to get um, from patients is they really just want things automatic. Mm-hmm. People don't want to have to be pushing buttons. They We have an amazing app, but that should be something they can use if they want to. Mm-hmm. So with this technology, we have 80 million adjustments that are automatic every hour, and that translates to this hearing aid is working for you all the time to the tune of 22,000 adjustments every second. So when we look at what our product mission is, it is to provide caring technology that connects people to people. Yeah. And that's really what we accomplish all day, every day here. But that's what's meaningful about Genesis AI.
0: Yeah, that's a mouthful. And it for is. those who haven't uh, <laughs> <I know. laughs> experienced it yet, I'd encourage you to reach out to your, to your rep or, or to look at the website and learn more about yes. this. And then more importantly, see the impact it has on your patient. Now, um, one more thing. We do have some, in addition to the user app that a patient may use to control their devices, um, HearShare yes. is a way that with the, the patient's permission, They can share data about physical activity, social engagement, whether they're wearing the devices, um, uh, even with the connection between their devices and and their phone. For those patients who have a deep relationship with their primary care physician, um, it's not unheard of. And I know of several examples where um, patients have shared those type of data with their primary care physician, or at least the practice that they're affiliated with so that they can monitor them on this overall uh, health and wellness journey beyond the hearing benefit alone.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and I love that you mentioned the caregiver space. I think it's an amazing suggestion. Even again, we've talked about the aging population. Mm -hmm. However, that could be and a senior living, for assisted sure. living, okay. all of those uh, areas could be where an app like CareShare could be very, very beneficial.
0: Well, um, we are out of time, and so Dr. Burdeck, Michael Scholl, thank you for sharing your uh, expertise, and in this conversation today, and to our listeners and viewers, um, I hope that you enjoyed this World Hearing Day broadcast. Um, uh, Obviously, we're quite passionate about this. Uh, Alone, we can't do much, but together we truly can change the world and make a small impact on this World Hearing Day to try to uh, meet the objective of this year's theme, as well as the ongoing theme, to raise awareness for the importance of hearing. So thank you both for being here today for this special program. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Well, podcast listeners, I hope that you enjoyed this conversation between Dr. Sarah Burdack, Michael Scholl, and myself. And as we wrap up this episode, a friendly nudge to have you please rate and review us on your preferred podcast platform. And if you enjoyed this session, I would also suggest you share it with your friends, colleagues, and network. While you're at it, why don't you follow us or hit subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode in the future. Also, we'd love to know what's on your mind. What issues concern you? What questions do you have for our experts? Uh, future episodes will be uh, devoted to answering some of your questions or issues. And all you need to do in order to submit them is send us an email at soundbites@starky.com. That's soundbites@starky.com. Thank you so much for listening. And we hope to see and hear you again really soon.